You're listening to Catalyst for Change. My name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. I started this podcast to learn about what makes people resilient after challenging events and how they've used those series of events as a catalyst for change in their own life. You'll hear stories of resiliency and strength, so sit back, get ready, and be prepared to be inspired. Today I'm speaking to Heather Wild. She was the eighth employee of Evernote and is known as the Unicorn Whisperer. She's published games for Disney, the WWE, and Paramount, trained Fortune 500 brands, advised hundreds of startups, and managed nonprofit programs for Alcon, Starbucks, Patagonia, and others. She's received commendations for her work from the U.S. government, as well as awards for mentor, coach, female executive, entrepreneur, and CTO of the year, and been named top writer on Quora. She writes for Forbes, tech.co, and she writes the column Entrepreneur Revolution in Inc. Magazine. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Heather. And I was really excited to speak to you about how you've been able to manage to be resilient through challenging events in your life based on how successful you've been in your career path and um, what looks like you know, a very successful life that you've led so far. Can you tell me more about things that may have made you who you are and helped you along that process? Well, yeah. Thank you, Jessica, for, for having me. There's been a lot of things along my path that have helped to make me resilient and help me stand up for who I am today and make made me the the woman I am today. It it all definitely started when I was a child uh and having great mentors and and support uh, around me. The the family that I had definitely allowed me to explore uh, the things that I wanted to do and and the person that I was becoming. And I think a lot of people don't get that opportunity for some reason. One of the things that I do now um, as a technology role model to people is I go in and, and I mentor children in STEM. I go into schools and and I see, like I'll, I'll judge solar decathlons and things like that. And you can definitely tell the difference between the schools that that have parents that take an interest in their kids and the ones where it's not such a priority. And I, I can just fast forward in my head what these kids are going to look like when they're adults. And I, I, I can see the, the future me is just based on how much support that these kids have. So I think that's that's a huge part of it. Starting Starting from when you're a child, who was around you at the time and how much encouragement you had. Wonderful. And it sounds like you had a lot of good mentors and encouraging people in your family that helped you build those tools of success and, and just believed in you. So that's really, really important as we're, as we're growing up. So has there been a catalyst for change in your life that has kind of has catapulted you into the career that you're in or the success you've had in your life? I've I've actually had quite a few catalyzing moments throughout my career, throughout my life. The one in particular that I think will resonate for people right now is um, a few years ago um, when I was in my mid-30s, I, I started to feel burned out at work, really, really uh, took on a lot of stress because of the, the job that I had. I mean, as an executive in Silicon Valley, managing a whole lot of people at a 
at a fast growing company. Like it was, it was a lot for, and also being a woman with the spotlight on you all the time, like there was a lot of stress and I was feeling that burnout, but there was just something more. And one day I found myself on the floor of an elevator. Like I kept pushing the, the close button um, so that no one would come in. And I was just crying on that floor um, and I didn't, and, and then I accidentally didn't hit it fast enough. And the CEO comes in and he sees me on the floor and then he just like picks me up and walks me outside and, and asks me what was, what was going on with me. And, and I just, I just started crying on his shoulder <laughs> and I told him I didn't know. And, and he was just like, well, whatever it is, you got to rub it off. You can't let people get to you. And, and like part of it was like, if that's the attitude here, I don't want to be here. <laughs> and, yeah. and another part was if, if there's something that wrong with me, that's going to leave me hiding uh, from everyone and not wanting them to see me, then I need to get help. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to find that here. So I had to look elsewhere. And that was a big change. And where did you find that, that help that you were looking for? And that culture, maybe a different company culture that you're looking for. So it was a two-part thing. Um, I just recently, about six to eight months before this, I'd started volunteering in my city. Um, I'd moved to Las Vegas um, and was commuting up to uh, San Francisco whenever I needed to. So I was working as a remote employee. I'd started volunteering around Las Vegas and started meeting uh, the girls in tech community around Las Vegas and getting involved here, uh, helping in the schools. And, and so I turned to the girls here, the women and the friends that I, I built into the city and asked them for help. And uh, one of them saw me and said, this isn't stress. This is, you're sick. And took me directly to the doctor. Like I'd, I, the day that I flew home from San Francisco after this, she took me to the doctor and it turned out I had cancer. Oh and, my goodness. Yeah. And nobody <laughs> had noticed. I hadn't noticed. Like, but she was like, like these people are poison. The, wow. this, this city, this job, this technology, this, all of this is eating it way at you. And, mm-hmm. and nobody cares about you. Wow. So you came to realize that you, you discovered you had cancer through, you know, taking a step, maybe being a remote employee, getting involved in things that you, that you love doing, working with girls and women in STEM, and just taking that time for yourself, you found out that you had cancer. What, what did you do then? That's, that's, that's a pretty life-changing event right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, being in, <laughs> it, it, it was very surreal being in a doctor's office and realizing that this, this person that I'd met six months ago knew me better than I knew myself. Yeah, because she was answering doctors' questions for me, um, and it was insane. And I mean, she's my best friend. She was the best maid, like the maid of honor at my wedding this last year. Like, I amazing. Props to girl power. Yeah, she saved you (laughs) in some in some way. She saved your life. It feels like she did. She did. I tell her that all the time. But um, yeah. So what what happened then was like literally by the end of the day, I was like. In, I was having all the tests done, the MRI, the, the everything that you need to do. And the next day I was in surgery. So, and how things, did it, 
How did it go for you, if you don't mind me asking, with the cancer? Um, Thankfully, uh, the type I had uh, was able to be completely removed. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean... It was it was very lucky, um, and um, on a side note, because of because of that, my sister was able to convince her HMO to get something that was bothering her checked, and it turned out that she had lymphatic cancer, and she caught her tumor early um, wow. and was able to get. She's like, I'm not feeling well. I'm really tired. So because I had cancer, she was able to go in and um, find that early. So she was, she, hers was more serious than mine, but wow. she was able to catch it early. Yeah. Cause I've, I've heard with lymph node cancer, it can spread to the rest of the body pretty fast. So yeah. that's good that she caught that early. Wow. So during those difficult times, it sounds like a lot of the tools you learned were connecting to other, you know, other people, volunteering, giving your, giving yourself to others was one of the tools. Are there, are there other tools that you, that you learned from these, from these challenging times or during that challenging event? So yeah, the next thing I did um, was I quit. Um. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good. It sounds like a good move for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it obviously when you're um, so entrenched in a company uh, that you've built from the ground up, you can't just like go in and say, I quit. Uh, It doesn't work that way. So like I, I extricated myself from the company and then uh, in the process of doing that, I actually helped to, or I, I found the perfect next role for me, which I've been doing ever since, in, which helps me to help other people. So that was, that was a big deal, finding the, the right fit for me in helping other people's entrepreneurial dreams to come true and making their goals uh, a reality from a tech perspective. So that, that was the next thing that I did. Um, but it also allows me uh, to make my own hours and to and that's a very big component of this because i'm a workaholic i will work all day every day seven days a week 365 days a year if you let me so, so you I need have tools to, in place you need things in place to stop you from from doing that to yourself again yeah like. so the the key role for me is i need to make sure that i'm not the one building a business i helping other people to build their business is the better role for me. Yeah. Um, and another thing that I did is I keep my phone on do not disturb. Like I, I don't have any notifications on, on any of my tech and uh, I will get to you when I get to you. <laughs> and, and if I miss an email or a text message or, or something, then your urgency is not my emergency. So I like that that's it's it's a completely different frame of mind my my whole priority in life is to help other people in a healthy way and now that's that's a really good idea and that's a tool that i would like to use as well now the is there times of the day that you check those tech devices or emails or whatever it may be uh yeah so i I, i'll check my email first thing in the morning the after I've woken up of course then I'll check them like in the middle of the day and then in the evening Mm -hmm. Uh, no specific time because I don't want to 
I don't want to promise ever anyone anything that has anything to do with the time constraint. Because as soon as you do that, then people will try to hold you to a specific time constraint, and that becomes a pressure that I don't want to have. Uh, another thing, like for checking like social media or anything like that, I try to automate as much as possible. So if I can move notifications into a centralized inbox um, where I can check everything there, then again, I'll check those at the same time that I'm checking email and things like that. Uh, with the past couple months of COVID and and the protests and everything that have been going on in the world, I've wanted to be more connected. So I've been utilizing Twitter to be active in active communication with people. I haven't been specifically checking notifications anymore. It's just if I feel like I want to talk to people, I'll log in. Oh, I like that. I need to do, I need to do something like that for sure. <laughs> all of us are so wrapped up in all the, the busy work that we have part of our jobs or, our, you know, family life. Now I work with a lot of women in the junior league um, and we, we help women and girls in tech. Now, what are some of the things that we can share with our membership or the girls that we're mentoring in the Bay area in Silicon Valley and the peninsula area on healthy habits to establish as they're growing up? around tech? So one of the, the best things that I always tell the girls in tech that I mentor is uh, don't, get, uh, don't get hung up on labels. It's, it's really hard for our male allies to come up with, like, I mean, if you get into a conversation with someone and then they're hung up on the fact that they are trying to figure out what to call you, like, oh, you're a girl in tech, and then you're like, don't call me a girl, <laughs> um, then you've already lost the battle because we need every ally that we can get. We're not getting anywhere without sponsorship from the highest levels. And if there's only 2% women in the executive positions on those boards, then uh, we, need, we can't piss off the men. Uh, right off the bat by not allowing them to call us something. So, yeah. so yeah, first, my first thing is educate in a nice way um, without a chip on your shoulder. First, get in the room, then change from within. I really like that because um, some people just don't know and they weren't raised. Everybody is raised so differently. You never know where someone's coming from. They may have a person you know that raised them that doesn't they just that's they don't mean any harm by it but you know calling someone a girl is just what they're what they've always done so exactly yeah it's just think about it like your grandparents yeah you you let your grandparents get away with a lot of stuff and then you try to correct them after after they've given you the cookies so (laughs) take the cookies first and then try to change grandpa's uh grandpa's language i like it that's really, that's really good advice to, you know, to share with people. So it sounds like you're, you're really paying it forward in a many different ways. You're getting involved with girls and women and um, mentoring those, those women and girls that you're meeting in Las Vegas and you're, you're doing a lot. Are there, are there any other ways that you're volunteering right now? It sounds really interesting what you're doing. Yeah. In fact, my husband and I, we started a nonprofit uh, our, our mission is to help underserved and underprivileged adults in, to help them 
get more education in the STEM fields because we recognized, uh, and this was before we suddenly got a whole disrupted uh, world, but we recognized that there, there is a coming AI shift and there's a lot of people that are going to be out of work. Again, this was before COVID when a whole lot of people suddenly became out of work. Their jobs are going to disappear and never come back. And the, but the problem is these people don't necessarily understand that the jobs that they had and the skills that they had actually are going to be useful in the new world. They just need a few tweaks to what they knew to be able to find new jobs in, in the new tech dawn. So um, our, our nonprofit, Serenzi Global, our, our aim is to help people figure out what those what your current skill set is and what few things that you need to use to shore up to to make you more marketable and less scared in the in the future so maybe maybe we do have universal basic income uh sometime in the future and you are just gonna take it and not do anything and that's fine too but maybe you don't understand uh what that is so we'll will help educate people about that. But that's, that's what we're trying to do because there's so many nonprofits out there that educate the children and go K through 12, but there really aren't that many for uh, what happens if they were missed. Yeah. And I really like the way you're filling that gap because you're, you're very, you're very true in that. Um, there's a lot of adults that really don't know what to do and they're relying on a income that's no longer there and jobs that are no longer available. So this is a really good help. I'm glad that I'm glad that you're doing that right now or getting back to that as, as the economy, we get back to working in person. So can you tell me a little bit more? You mentioned that you coach entrepreneurs. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I, um, when I left Evernote, which was my, uh, my former company, and I came to Las Vegas, some partners and I founded a company called Rocketeer. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that we all decided when we started this company is that no matter what industry we came from, no matter what our expertise was, everyone uh, needed to be trained as a coach. And me as an engineer, I was like, coaches are like woo-woo kind of strange things that engineers want nothing to do with. And um, my CEO was like, well, that's too bad. You're going to have to not only have a coach, but you're going to be one by the time this is all done. So I wow. Like, oh. <laughs> so, um, so I, I mean, I, I went into it with uh, an open mind, like I do everything. I mean, uh, scientific method and all that. I was going to figure out what to do and, and see what they're doing and pull apart all of the questions that they asked me. And then uh, I realized that there was a lot of benefit to having someone just probing you with, with questions and with no, no ulterior motive. So I ended up getting, uh, spending about two years uh, getting trained in five different modalities of coaching, including uh, neuro-linguistic programming, being able to use that to become a better CTO, but also to better help the entrepreneurs and other CTOs and executives that I work with. It makes me a better speaker, presenter, executive, whatever I do, just to have this, these tools in my arsenal. Um, but it also allows me to, to help others as time permits. 
Wonderful. Can, now, neuro-linguistic programming, I've heard of it, but can you tell us what, a little bit, just a general, what that's about and just for our listeners that may not know? Yeah. So neuro-linguistic programming or, or NLP is figuring out what the right words to program your brain, basically. The right words, patterns, sounds, just whole sensory experience to make your brain remove certain patterns that it already has, untrain habits, and help them learn new habits based on, again, this, this neuro-linguistic programming. So the neuro is a brain. Linguistic is the words that you're using, and then programming is programming your brain. So as an engineer, I took to it immediately because it's, it's basically a programming language for the brain. Very scientific too. So it makes sense. It yeah. makes a lot of sense, especially for, for the folks in, in our, well, my part of the world where everybody is very into um, research and, you know, technology and thinking about things in a different level. So yeah, a fun fact in my TED talk, there's the, the NLP way that I created that TED talk by the time I get to speaking about fireworks, you should actually be seeing fireworks in your head. And that's how NLP works. Oh, interesting. So your brain creates the images that, that go along with what you're, what you're hearing yeah. and, and it programs in that way. Oh, that's very interesting stuff. Now, is there any books if someone wants to learn more about NLP or is there a workshop that you do or anything that you, how, how do you use that? And is there any other resources, I guess I should say? Uh, so if you're interested in NLP, there's a couple of paths to go down. The, the easiest way to get started without really going whole hog into it is to start listening to, uh, I think Tony Robbins' personal power is, is a good one. You, you can start to see that. And then from there, you can start researching other things. I, I wouldn't recommend that people go into the the training of it unless there was something very specific you were doing for it but okay. for just everyday day use uh, i would say just watch some tony robbins videos and go from there okay wonderful and you mentioned your ted talk can you tell me um what that's called and i believe we could find that on youtube so absolutely um, yeah so it's called seeing past the unknown and it's it's about the the fear response that you get that and why we feel that way when we're experiencing fear and how to overcome that. Oh, wonderful. So I'll have to check that out as well. It's been really good talking to you. Is there anything that um, you feel we, we didn't cover and that you want to make sure that, that people know about? I think that the main thing that I'd want to get across to people is that change is a natural thing that happens to people. It's how we address it that really allows us to move forward in our lives. So whenever, some, whenever something occurs, you could either do what I was doing and cry on the floor of an elevator, or you can make the decision to, to do something about it. And I could have just stayed stuck in California forever at a job that was literally killing me. Or I could move forward and have a burgeoning life that has made me way more happy. And, and that's, that's really what these catalyst points are about, just making a decision to, to be better in your life. 
Wonderful. That's, that's really well put. And are you happy with, you know, that catalyst and where it's led you? It sounds like you're doing wonderful things. Are you, do you feel happy and you in your life right now as it stands? I'm thrilled with my life right now. Um, I'm just like everyone there's, there's up and down days, but I think my, my life has been on an upward trajectory and I don't see that changing. That's really good. That's really good. So make sure to make those changes when those, when you're in a job that doesn't suit you, when you're in a situation that isn't, you know, really acknowledging your pain and struggles or is, um, is, is good for you, then know when to move on. That's a good, that's another good one that we learned from this. So wonderful. And where could we find you? I'll also post where to find you in our show notes, but can you tell us where we can find you? So I make it really easy for people. I have the same social handle on everything. So it's Heatheriel. You'll be posting that in the show notes so people don't type that wrong. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. You've been listening to Catalyst for Change. Tune in next week so you can hear another story of resiliency. Also, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and feel free to hit the like button and leave a comment. In the show notes, you'll find links to learn more about our guests today.